How does someone move from the cutthroat, always-on world of investment banking at Goldman Sachs to become a spiritual life coach and Reiki energy healer? What does the phrase, everything is energy, mean? How can we keep this simple yet powerful concept in mind to show up as the best version of ourselves? And what is the book, Banking on Angels, all about? How can it help us achieve a sustainable meditation practice, attain higher states of consciousness, and appreciate the power of synchronicities in life? Stay tuned as we touch on these and many other topics on this week's episode of Untether Your Life. Welcome to Untether Your Life, a show that empowers you to own your own health and break free of templates for managing physical and mental wellness and looks at key issues impacting the South Asian diaspora. I am your host, Nikhil Torsikar, and I'm passionate about the power of conversation to catalyze change. I met this week's guest, Neil Bakshi, on an Instagram Live hosted by a mutual friend, Shani, who is also very much into Soma Breath, the methodology developed by another previous guest on the show, Neeraj Nayak. His background aligns very closely with mine on many fronts, so I was delighted to have him on the show. Neil is a certified spiritual life coach, Reiki energy healer, angel medium, and best-selling author. He specializes in guiding highly driven, motivated, and aspirational next-gen leaders achieve inner peace, lasting success, and energetic balance through the power of spirituality. He is a former Goldman Sachs investment banker and left his vice president title to bring the benefits of spirituality and personal growth into the mainstream. Additionally, he's the author of the book, Banking on Angels, which discusses this transition and much more. And with that, let's get untethered. Yeah, no, that's that's all fantastic. I mean, there's a number of other hats I wear. I co-own a yoga studio. I teach breathwork and meditation. I host a number of retreats around the country and around the world. And it's been a really fantastic journey over the course of the last couple of years just to see where life has really taken me and, and where I'm being directed. And as we currently speak, I'm also in the development phase of a product line for spiritual products and trying to bring various types of spiritual products into the mainstream, as you mentioned. And that's something that I personally just find as a fun creative outlet and something that I just feel called to do to share spirituality in a more tangible way, because it's often very metaphysical and very etheric. And how do we mm -hmm. allow people to feel a little bit more of, okay, like now we're carrying the symbols that are aligned with the things that we believe and, and those kinds of things. So it's a, it's a very multifaceted journey that's been evolving over the past few years. Yeah, and it's it's been really incredible just to see on, um, I think we had connected because I had seen uh, one of your Instagram lives with a mutual friend of ours, uh, Shani, who is a breathwork coach. And I think we'll just dive in by talking about one of the topics that you had addressed on that, which is sort of this marrying, and I think your the title of your book does this so well, is this marrying of these two different worlds, which is financial services, which is a very type A driven type of place and uh, the world of meditation, breath work, spirituality and energy healing. You know, but if we could just dive in and just maybe talk about how you made that leap from financial services over to this more etheric type of world. The story and the journey actually starts way far back. And so I'll start at five years old where I started to meditate. And my parents raised me on a, a spiritual path, which was created by a, an Indian guru who came to the United States in the 1920s. His name was Paramahansa Yogananda. He created a spiritual path called Self-Realization Fellowship, which is the pretenses self-realization through meditation and scientific and 
ancient yogic techniques of meditation. And over the course of my childhood and upbringing, I meditated, but it wasn't something that I was very intentional about. It was something that my parents wanted me to do, that I went with them to do, That, but it wasn't something that really grew out of my own volition. I saw close family friends and a number of sort of uncles in, in, in my life work in the world of finance, be extremely successful managing directors, hedge fund founders, VC partners, all of these amazing things. And, and I saw the things they were able to buy and afford as a result of that. And I wanted all of those material goodies. Sure. And so I went to NYU, majored in economics and history, and ultimately worked on Wall Street for eight years, became an investment banker in leveraged finance and structured finance at Goldman Sachs, structured over $100 billion of high-yield bonds and leveraged loans. And this switch from the material into the spiritual really happened when in June 2020, my mom went for a 30-minute outpatient thumb surgery to fix a partially torn ligament in her thumb. She what couldn't be aroused after the surgery, was in a coma on life support for three weeks. And that entire situation then turned my life upside down. The first six months were spent triaging the material needs of my family. How do I keep credit cards, bill payments, mortgage payments, car payments, everything happening on time because she managed all of that. During that time period, we would go really deep in meditation for those three weeks she was in the hospital as a family and we would send healing energy. And I was very intentional because I wanted my mom to live. And that was the real catalyst for me going deep into spirituality. In the first three months of 2021, I started to receive a message that was, you need to help people. You need to help people. And I got that message every morning for 90 days straight. And I was like, okay, I have no idea what this means. I'm going to need some help to decipher this. Interestingly, old friends from college came back into my life who were business coaches. Coaching certifications came in my pathway. Clients immediately started coming and they saw profound results and changes. People would tell me, you changed my life. And they were like, if I ever write, write a book, you will be in my book as someone who changed my life. And I was just humbled and in awe. And I thought, maybe this is something I can do. Then this is this fills me up on a very deep level. I feel like this is very flowing for me. And from there, I started to explore and be called to things like plant medicine therapy. I started to explore Reiki energy healing, breath work, and go really deep into different modalities, soul audit courses. Mm -hmm. And all of the while in 2021, I had a calling to communicate with my mom. So I would talk to my mom. I would go into meditation. I would ask for guidance. I would pray and meditate to her. And simultaneously over that period of time, I also started to pick up on these small synchronicities that started to really expand. Things like angel numbers, things like different symbols. I would ask for signs and receive signs. And there was something broader happening. And so as time went on, I started to communicate with what I call to be my angels and mm -hmm. spirit guides, as well as my mom on the other side. And so over the course of the last about two years, this ability to communicate with these spiritual beings has really come into the forefront for me. I now do angel card readings for people. Mediumship has interestingly grown as an offshoot of that completely mm -hmm. unexpectedly for other people in these readings. And coachings just continue to expand. And so it's been a really fascinating journey to see, yes, I was very engrossed in the physical material of wanting the money, all of those fancy job titles, cars, houses, and then life just having a way of saying, okay, well, I know you want this, but we're going to give you a pretty trying life situation. And that may change the entire outcome of what you believe you are and what you want. Yeah, no, it's, it's a fascinating journey. And I think 
I, I love that title, Banking on Angels, because like I said, it, it marries two very different worlds. Now, the term angel, I think when people hear it, uh, there tends to be this religious connotation. But in terms of the classical sense of the word angel, it's it's got a little bit of a different implication. Can you talk a little bit more about that? You talk about that in your book as well, but for people who are listening, maybe just so they can get a little more nuanced and broader understanding of the of what exactly does that mean uh, when we talk about angels. The reason I call them mm-hmm. angels is because I started noticing these repeating number patterns incessantly. And as mm-hmm. a banker, all you do is work with numbers. And right. so it wasn't just at work, but it was everywhere else. And I started to look up and like, try to understand what is this? Like, what, what are these numbers? And so angel numbers were what came. And I was like, okay, angel numbers. And then I started to ask and talk to my mom. And mm-hmm. I viewed my mom as a guardian angel of mine. I now know that she wasn't necessarily a guardian angel. She was just another sort of spirit on the other side. Angels, however, are these spirit guides, you can call them. And I understand angels definitely have a different religious connotation to them. But the way I view it is, yes, guardian angels are types of spirit guides. They're forms of spirit guides. And then when you think about archangels, as various other religions refer to them as, I view those archangels as part of the angels that I communicate with. However, they are archetypes. So you'll have Raphael, who's an angel of healing. You'll have Michael, who's an angel of protection. But all Mm -hmm. of these things are just archetypes. If you even look at Jungian psychology, he talks about these various archetypes. You have the warrior, the magician, the lover, the king. So I view them as simply archetypes that you call upon for needing certain things. People who want to have a child call upon the archangel Gabriel. All of these kinds Mm -hmm. of things. So they're symbols that you call in that have and possess a type of energy. And so everything is energy, as I talk about in my book. And so angels are just another form of spirit guides. Everyone comes into this world with at least one spirit guide. They know you for lifetimes over and know you better than anyone else. And they can only act for your highest good and the highest good of all. They can never cause harm to people. They can never bring into being anything that you do not want to happen. And Mm. they will only act when called upon because they will never encroach upon your free will. So it's an amazing intertwined relationship that I have with these spirit guides and angels, but they are an integral part of my life and really an integral part of what I do as as an angel medium too. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, no, that's, that's fascinating. And, you know, being a parent and I'm helping my kids with their math homework, one of the things that I've come across that I haven't thought about in a long time is the Pythagorean theorem uh, from, from grade school, which, I, you know, it's been years. But interestingly enough, as you talk about in the book, there was another contribution from Pythagoras, which is the theory that numbers have their own vibrational energies. Maybe if you could talk to me a little bit more about that, because I find that fascinating. You know, you talk about angel numbers. I'd like to understand a little bit more about numerology or just that notion about the significance of numbers and what if what impact it's had on your life. I went to Egypt in 20, last year, 2022, and mm-hmm. I, I walked into a shop. It, it was a, a gem and crystal shore store that my tour guide's cousin actually owned and ran. And so I started talking to him and, and even he started talking about numerology and the interpretation of the energy of numbers. And mm-hmm. as you rightly referred to, Pythagoras, 600 BC, very famous mathematician. He claims and, and states that every number in the universe carries a unique and distinct vibration. And when mm-hmm. those numbers are either put into specific sequences or patterns or put into repetitive patterns, 
they amplify the meaning of what that number means. And mm-hmm. so that's how I actually started to communicate with my angels on the other side. I would start to see these patterns. I would start to first Google them because I was like, why am I seeing 444 literally everywhere? License plates, buildings, the stock market, like everywhere I was looking. And I would then see sort of a, a, a formula or a understanding of what these numbers mean as amplified and as singular numbers. And then in meditation, I would go in and ask my guides, my angels, my mom, the universe, Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it, what do these numbers specifically mean for me? And just like any other language, it's easy to say, okay, this is what this specifically means. 444 is angelic guidance, and that's what that means. And you're right, you're guided. However, what, what I've come to realize is that just like any other language, there's slang in languages. There's different Some nuances. Yeah, it's very co- multi-layered. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. There's like different tones or inflections, different vernacular or ways of permutations. Yeah. Perm- thank you. Like Spanish, for example, you have Catalonian Spanish, you have Mexican Spanish, you have Spanish mm-hmm. from Guatemala, and so like they have different tones and inflections. Similarly, the language of numerology is unique to everyone, and so while there is general blanket and overarching sense of what these numbers and patterns and sequences mean, right. it's ultimately unique to you. And so yeah. it, it's not one, to... it's not one size fits all. Right. 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 Yeah. And, and, you know, I, let me just ask you, uh, you know, not, not to put you in the hot seat here, but um, five, 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 I'm just curious is what, what is the rule of thumb significance to, to that number? Just curious. Yeah. That one is changes and new beginnings. So when you see 555, you can expect that you are entering a period of change. You will be stepping into something that is going to be new. You're starting something new. And it's a reminder that, yep, you're stepping into something new. And when you see these aspects that unfold for you that are going to be, it doesn't necessarily need to be a huge change. It doesn't need to be like, I'm leaving my job or I'm going to be finding a new life partner or I'm moving a house. It can be small and simple changes. It can be small changes in your daily life, small changes in the way you go about your daily routines. But Mm -hmm. typically 555, what I've noticed with it is you'll tend to see something bigger than something smaller in terms of a a new amplification of change or new beginning in your life that's going to be starting. The reason I ask that, Neil, is just, and I don't know if anyone, if people, you know, readers or friends or people who have come across your book, you talk about in the morning you wake up at 3.33. Is that, uh, that's your, I don't know how you do that, by the way. (laughs) Since reading your book, I started, I've actually started getting up at 5.55 in the morning. The reason for that is partially because, you know, my kids need to get on the bus. I need to get them ready. So I need to have some buffer time there. So I'm not just, you know, running around like a headless chicken. I want to have a little bit of that bumper time to meditate or just, you know, have a cup of tea or whatever it is. So I'm just wondering if other people have come to you and said, hey, you know, I've, I've changed my daily habit and I'm waking up at a certain time. I love that you say this. And I, I just got chills down the back of my head because one of the, the most beautiful things that I've found from writing this book and having multiple people read it and people come to me saying, I feel so much more in tune and aligned with noticing synchronicities happening in mm. my life. People sure. will will start to really pick up on nuances, either numbers that happen or relationships or conversations or meeting specific people or new people. I've gotten so many stories from people saying, I've ha- I had this amazing synchronicity. I just had to tell you about it after reading your book. And so mm-hmm. I think what it does is it helps you become more conscious of 
the smaller little things that we may normally overpass in our lives that then have actual deeper meaning if we allow ourselves to slow down and be more present. And, and tell me more. I mean, because like I said, 333 just seems like, uh, you know, an ungodly hour to wake up. I'm just, I'm just curious, what is the significance of that? Uh, if you could share with people and maybe, you know, we can start the Neil Bakshi challenge where it's like, <laughs> let's get up at 3.33 for a week and see, you know, how how we feel. But curious, what is the significance of that specific timestamp? Yeah, so it actually started when I was working at Goldman. And because of the incredibly long hours, I would mm. only have my time in the morning to be the time that I could go to work out, go to take care of myself, meditate, whatever whatever it really was. And it's it started at 4.30. And then what happened is after I started to go deeper and deeper into meditation, I started to realize that my... 5, 10, 15 minutes of meditation just didn't feel like enough for me. It wasn't cutting it. Yeah. yeah, I wanted more. I, it, it felt like I wanted to go deeper. And so it's, and then increased it 20, 30, 40. And I was like, okay, well, I can't keep getting up at 4.30. Like the time needs to change. And, and then I started to incorporate these various types of energization exercises as well, which is consciously charging the muscles and parts of your body with life force energy. And so life mm. force energy is, the same thing that everyone talks about in terms of Reiki energy, universal life force, prana, same sort of concept, and even chi, if you look at Chinese medicine, all of these ancient cultures talk about the same thing, which is life force energy. So then I started to incorporate all of these things and I said, okay, I need more time. And then so it shifted up to 3.30 because I was still working at Goldman while going deeper into meditation and spirituality and building my coaching practice. And then as, in, as kind of a nod to the fact that I was communicating with angels on the other side, they would send mm -hmm. me these numbers and I would say, okay, well, if I want to have that two-way form of communication, I will get up at 3.33 just as a nod of acknowledgement to the fact that, yeah, I, I want to communicate with you back and I want to create a level of deeper understanding with you. Well, you know, the jury's still out. I guess it's too soon to tell if the 555 shift has made a complete change in my life, but, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Give it a couple months. <laughs> so, I want to touch more about, you know, you mentioned that you had uh, had worked at, at Goldman Sachs. And I think you had talked about this on one of your IG lives. But uh, the fact is that meditation, I think, is drifting away from the realm of the etheric, the woo kind of environment to corporate America, where companies are seeing the benefits of it. You know, they talk about, um, I'm sure you're familiar with like Ray Dalio, Paul Tudor Jones. But I'm bringing all this up because there's always the press release version of reality. And then there's, you know, what's actually happening in the trenches. So I'd like to get your take on, you know, what the attitude towards mindfulness meditation was during your time at Goldman Sachs. The attitude was probably next to next to nothing. And in the last couple of years on my way out, they converted a coat closet into a prayer and contemplation room and a, that was a prayer closet a, a coat closet i mean i'm sorry a, co a coat closet you said yeah it was, oh, it was like okay. a coat closet like hallway um, okay. that they like kind of blocked off and you they made it into a prayer and contemplation room and i actually would go in there before client calls and i would mm -hmm. sit down and meditate even for for five minutes and I remember very distinctly, my, my boss or other people on my team would, would be like, hey, where are you going? We have this call. I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go meditate for a couple of minutes. I'll be right back. And so I would say that even people at work on the desk would say, Neil, how are you so calm and composed all the time? 
I would look at them and I would say, I, I meditate. And they would just look at me and they would like roll their eyes and go back to the desk. And I think now what's happening is it's starting to be really realized that, okay, there's scientific proof as to why meditation is beneficial. It increases mm -hmm. cortical thickness. It helps you sleep better. It helps you really be able to cognitively discern what's happening when you're able to slow down the, the brainwave functions of your mind. And it allows you to think more clearly in a less stressful, intense state. And it's amazing because my parents came to the U.S. over 40 years ago and they would talk about yoga and people would look at them like they had nine different heads. And so right. now you can't drive past a highway strip mall without seeing a yoga studio. Similarly, I think that's exactly what's happening with breath work, with meditation, with energy healing. All of these modalities, people realize there's something more happening. Why do I feel so much better after a Reiki energy healing session? Why do I feel incredibly relaxed, clear, and like I've released toxins from my body? Why does meditation make me feel so incredibly clear-headed, so mm -hmm. calm, so able to tackle difficult tasks and even handle stressful situations with incredible composure? Why does breathwork help me really tap into higher states of consciousness? And again, I don't want people to take just my word for it. I think people need to firsthand experience and do these things and say, okay, this is something that I really find a benefit of, or this is what I feel when I do these things. And then from that point in perspective, they will then feel motivated to enact it and put it into practice in their life. I always say the proof is in the pudding, right? And, and you make a great point about, you know, don't just take my word for it. This is something actually, since you and I last spoke, we actually have started doing it with our employees. We have started doing breath work three times a week. People are saying like, you can, you can even tell in the tone of their voice, they come into the session. They're very like, oh, you know, I've, I've got a case of the Mondays or whatever the corporate jokery is. But then, you know, after, at the end, it's like the tone of their voice is very relaxed and there are behaviors that are different. There's a little bit more gratitude. You know, there's less reactionary responses on conference calls. It's sort of this contagious effect. And that goes into what one of the great quotes that you allude to in the book is, which is, you know, everything is energy. I'd love if you could talk a little bit more about that notion, because that can be a very esoteric concept for people who live in this very like kind of cut and dry, show me the data type of world. We always hear that phrase and we always hear these quotes from Einstein and yeah. all of these other theoretical physicists. And what happened for me is I started to experience the world as energy first. Mm -hmm. I started, and I'll tell you the, the real shift of, of when I experienced this. It was, I was sitting in my Manhattan studio apartment and I looked across the street to the building next to me mm -hmm. and I started to see the bricks being comprised of these balls of energy of, mm. the, of the building next to me. And then I looked at the tree and then I saw the tree just comprised of all of these different balls of energy. And then I looked at, at around my apartment and I saw the same thing. And then I looked at myself and I, was, I saw the same thing, just all these tiny little balls of just energy. And like the quantum, yeah. Yeah, if that's, if that's, yeah, really, truly that. And I was like, this is kind of weird. But it, like, it wasn't like I was like hallucinating. I was just like, it was right. here, but like I could see deeper, if that makes sense. I could like see mm -hmm. a layer deeper than what was just on the facade. I could still see the facade, but there were also these like small balls of energy sticking out. I was like, that's crazy. Everything is created of these same little balls of energy. And mm -hmm. then I started to research and go deeper into quantum physics. Mm -hmm. And then I started to understand these different theories that have been placed by 
amazing physicists over the course of mainly the, the 18 and 1900s, but it goes even further back if you talk about people discovering atoms as the basic building blocks. And then when you get even deeper, you start to understand that everything is simply these molecules, electrons and photons primarily, in constant vibration that are constantly moving and constantly vibrating at the smallest level of quanta. If you look at the skin, for example, you see this very hard, solid body of skin, solid mass, but then you get deeper and you put it under a microscope and then you'll see all of these small cells moving around. And then you get right. even deeper and then you'll see the mitochondria in the cells and you'll see all of the organelles in the cells. And then if you go even deeper on, on an electron microscope, you'll start to see the atoms and the electrons moving around. And then you really mm -hmm. see there's actually 99.999999% empty space around these atoms, but these are just atoms and, and electrons and photons in constant energetic vibration. There's something called exclusion zone water, which is actually mm. the water that we are comprised of that, that actually makes the molecules of our body vibrate together and, and move together, which is why when you feel very dehydrated, you feel low energy because what happens is the molecules on the smallest level of your body aren't mm. able to be filled enough with water to vibrate and bounce off each other to create the electricity that you are actually made of. And mm. so it's very interesting in terms of all of these scientists and all of these incredible polymaths have really done the research. And when you just get into it, you say, okay, this actually makes an incredible amount of sense. And then when you start to embody that and live from that perspective of everything being energy, you can then mm -hmm. approach situations, even people in your life and relationships. What kind of energy do I want to show up to giving this talk to these high school students that I did earlier today? What kind of energy do I want to show up to going on a new date with someone? What kind of energy mm -hmm. do I want to show up when I have a meeting with a client. The ways I can interact with my energy, the ways I can connect to someone. And then you think about energy centers and you talk about these chakras. You connect mm -hmm. to people on, on a chakra level. And so when I even interact with people one-on-one -on -one sometimes, I'll start to, I learn this energy technique in terms of you connect with people at each chakra. So you connect the root, mm. and then you connect the sacral, connect the solar plexus. And then you start to see people in a different light. You start to connect with them on, on a deeper energetic level as opposed to just the physical interaction level. And then, uh, you know, there's always that expression, you know, that person gives me good vibes or, you know, I vibe well with that person. It's not just lip service. I mean, there is real science to it. And I think I was very interested reading about the David Hawkins, is it the map of consciousness? I don't know if you could talk about that a little bit more. Yeah, so so Hawkins has, he has this map of consciousness that he refers to in terms of starting at these, these lower vibrational energies. And I interpret the map of consciousness in a little bit different way than how he just purely explains it. But ultimately, what, the way he explains it is he's able to measure the frequency coming off of a human in terms of how, what is the energy? It's, it's measurable. Even emotions are measurable in Hertz. Mm -hmm. When anyone is thinking or emoting or feeling, you can measure that energy in hertz. It's the, the heart is the largest electromagnetic field in the body, and mm -hmm. various emotions have various frequencies attached to them. Gratitude is incredibly high frequency. Shame, guilt, fear are incredibly low frequencies. And so mm -hmm. you can actually map and see, Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about this a lot in his books and his research as well. You can mm -hmm. actually see the level of energy and energetic vibration that is emitted off of a human body when you raise your elevated emotional state into a state of 
joy, love, bliss, gratitude, peace is a very different sense than anger, apathy, fear, shame, resentment. And you can then start to elevate the energy and the vibration that you carry with yourself. It's a very conscious act because oftentimes we may just immediately have a life situation happen that we get really pissed off. Like, oh, I can't believe this person totally blew off this call. And then you get really yeah. angry. And then you, you cut suck. me off in traffic or something. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a conscious act. And, but the way I look at the Hawkins scale is how can I continually move towards higher energies and higher frequencies to lift my own state and level of consciousness? And I actually worked with a, a very, very interesting teacher, Jean-Francois Brau, who created a concept of the soul audit. He utilizes the Hawkins scale in a way to understand where are my various energy centers right now on the Hawkins scale as it relates to my own understanding of energetic vibration, my own Taurus field, my own heart-centered mm -hmm. openness, and my own potentially trapped emotions. And how can I raise that to continually just open the heart, open the heart, open the heart? I want to go back to something you talked about, certifications, because, you know, you, you have a good command on all these different topics, whether it's energy healing or numerology or breath work. Could you talk a little bit more about, you know, some of the items that you have in your toolkit, like in terms of the practitioners that you've studied under or that you've gotten certifications, just so just so people can anchor in their understanding sort of where uh, where you're coming from? It first started with Jay Shetty's certification school for mm -hmm. my life coaching certification. It, it's a minimum 120 hour course work plus live coaching hours plus self assessment and self study. And I tore through that in just mm -hmm. a couple of months. And I went above and beyond in terms of the live number of coaching hours. And then that was just, that was a really fantastic course to get basics on coaching fundamentals. And then Mind Valley is an incredible e-learning platform where you basically self-study a number of courses, any course that you desire, and it gives you micro-learning in five to 20-minute segments on a daily basis that add up to deliver you a course in anywhere between a week to a few months. Were there any specific quests in Mind Valley that resonated with you? Yeah. So the ones that I really loved, there are a few. Duality with Jeffrey Allen. Mm -hmm. Money EQ with Ken Honda. The Silva Method is a fantastic one. Be Extraordinary, I believe, is one of Vision's, which is very good as yep. well. And there were a couple others that I took. 10X, which is more physical, fitness-oriented. Mm -hmm. And then, as I mentioned, Kyle Gray, who's an angel expert. He's from the UK. Mm -hmm. He became a medium, angel medium, at the age of 15. So mm -hmm. I studied uh, through him and his course, got attuned to the various angels. And even after doing angel readings for two years is actually when I found that he had a course on it. And then I, I explored that course. And so even went deeper into those skills. And then breath work with Niraj Naik from yep. Soma Breath. It's absolutely incredible. So I'm a certified breath work instructor. Uh, Reiki Energy from the Minka School in Brooklyn, New York. And mm -hmm. so they, they teach everything from psychic awareness to Reiki Energy Healing to Low High Chi, 18th Octave, various types of energy work. Mm -hmm. And what else? The Soul Audit Course with Jean-Francois Brau. It's kind of continuous learning for me and continuous development. The book, A Course in Miracles, which is uh, a fantastic book as well. I've kind of just been very interested in all of these things. And so it's been how I would spend some weekends sometimes is just reading or just learning mm -hmm. about this stuff because it just fascinates me. 
Dr. Bradley Nelson, The Emotion Code is another fantastic one that teaches techniques to release trapped emotions in the body. Paramahansa sure. Yogananda and, and the teachings of Self-Realization Fellowship have been invaluable to me. Paramahansa Yogananda. I think I had talked to you about that, that I think that book, it's been the clear example of synchronicity because there's so many different people that have come into my life that have, present company included, for whom that book has been so pivotal. You know, whether it was the founders of our company, Geostar, or it was Steve Jobs, you know, that was his favorite book. And then, you know, when you mentioned that uh, you were pretty much raised on that book, that was when that that's what sparked my interest. And, you know, that was why I had uh, had reached out to you. But yeah, for anybody who's listening, I highly recommend uh, reading that book just because what is really amazing to me, Neil, when I think about it is just the time frame of that, because you have to remember, I think that book, well, the SRF, I think, was started in like the 20s or something like that. I don't, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know when this specific book was written, but you have to think about the perception of spirituality in the world, not just in the world, but in the United States. For someone of Indian origin to come here and have that kind of impact is just, it's, it's, it's truly mind-blowing. Interestingly, today is actually Paramahansa Yogananda's Mahasamadhi, which means it's the day that he consciously left his body. Ash, yeah, okay. correct. So it's uh, very interesting that we're having this conversation talking about yeah. this today. <laughs> that is that is wild. Wow. Okay. I did want to go back, Neil. When I was talking to you earlier, I think what I had told you was that one of the things that really impressed me about the work you're doing is that and, and a lot of the work you do is with people who are in these very type A, sharp elbowed kind of environments, you know, who are CFOs, who are entrepreneurs. Yeah, no, you're right. It's, it's people who are working in finance, consulting, mm-hmm. starting their own businesses, entrepreneurs, tech founders, CFOs, doctors, biotech executives, even therapists have come to me. So these are kind of the core people. Could you tell me a little bit more maybe about what you're seeing and maybe, you know, how people in these environments can apply meditation and mindfulness in their practice just to get better outcomes and just live a a better life, not just from a a squishy, like touchy-feely, let's sing kumbaya approach, but also uh, achieve their goals and everything like that. For people that have no experience and, and no idea doing this, The Mm -hmm. first is to simply remove the distractions. So before we even get into meditation, we need to understand what is happening in terms of how are you distracting yourself right now? Is it Instagram? Is it it these dating apps? Is it just trying to constantly be busy at work? Is it overworking out at the gym? Mm Because all of these signs are ways that I was personally distracting myself through energetic imbalance. And so first, Mm -hmm. it's removing distractions. Then it's consciously doing nothing for just a couple minutes a day. Can you just sit with yourself to just be with you with no phone, with no agenda, and just be with yourself and see what happens, what thoughts come up, what what feelings arise. Because when you start to do that, you start to develop greater awareness. And it all it is all a game of awareness. How aware can we be? Can we be aware of ourselves to the point where we can ultimately in meditation just expand into, as Ramdas calls it, the vast ocean of awareness, where you mm. become no one, no thing, no place at no time. It's just the essence of you in this entire quanta of the happening, which sounds crazy to really think about and internalize. Because, mm-hmm. But until you actually feel that and you allow yourself to be consistent with a meditation practice, it's hard to really conceptually grasp just not, not being there. Mm. But that's further on down the line. Once you are able to say, okay, I can, I can comfortably sit, my, sit with myself doing nothing, then we can go into 
how can you do a two-minute meditation practice? Maybe it's guided. Maybe we're listening to a YouTube meditation or something on Insight Timer or one of those, these other apps, Mind Valley mm-hmm. app or some other meditation. Calm, yeah. Calm. Or Headspace, yep. Headspace, great meditation apps. And then how can we start to extend that maybe? Once we start to feel comfortable, can we go into five minutes, 10, 15? And then where I think the real magic happens is silent meditation. Silent meditation is the key to truly communing with the universe, God, source, divine love is what I consider God to be. The essence of just pure divine love. And so Mm -hmm. how can we just purely just expand into that where then you start to say, okay, I feel like these intuitive downloads are starting to come to me. I feel very Mm -hmm. clear and open. I feel very light and vibrant. Because once you go into those deeper states of meditation, and if you read my book, I created a, a beginner's guide to meditation as well to help people sort of dive into silent meditation because that really is, at least for me personally, has been one of the most incredible things to just go into that quiet silence and stillness. Because within those states, you realize once you're able to sit with your thoughts and emotions, you start to then see that you are actually not your thoughts and emotions. You are the observer of the thoughts and emotions, and you are just the essence of consciousness. It's the observer-object relationship. And so that so Michael, is what, is that is that Michael Singer who talks about Michael that? Singer, exactly, yeah. right. Yeah. He explains it really well because that's mm-hmm. actually what it truly is. You see that you are not your thoughts. Now, in terms of people you've worked with, is there any specific outcome that you can point to that just sort of shows, you know, some of the results that people can achieve by following a lot of these uh, techniques that you've become very well-versed in? Someone who worked in the financial services industry really had no background. They, they were of South Asian upbringing and descent, but they really mm-hmm. didn't have any meditation practice raised in sort of the the typical religious sort of context as it relates to South Asians. They had the ritualistic aspect of it, but they didn't necessarily have the spiritual aspect or, or the rather going inside in, intentionally. And so... Mm-hmm really just creating a meditation practice, even for five minutes that they've carried then with them for now multiple years since we first started working together. And then that has actually expanded their own ability to go deeper into personal growth and then consciously seek out ways that they can grow in different ways and, and sort of videos that they can watch, podcasts that they can listen to, really kickstarting someone's entire personal growth process. Another person went through a very difficult divorce. And so from that experience, I actually helped guide them through a number of energy clearing techniques, a number of forgiveness exercises, a number of emotional mastery techniques. And it has led to them finding a brand new job that is extremely fulfilling. They started to become interested in energy healing as well and have become certified in Reiki energy healing after after we worked together and have open their own energy healing practice, which is oh, wow. amazing. Another person that was going through a very difficult relationship time, but also mm-hmm. we rooted that back to their own personal growth stalling. So we helped them completely rewire their morning routine and their personal growth practice so that they can take care of themselves and then fill the love tank of their significant other. And their relationship has dramatically increased. They're now, in terms of harmony, they're now exploring ways to be more conscious and more intentional with their own relationship on a deeper physical level as well, exploring Tantra, exploring various other ways to cultivate deeper senses of intimacy as a couple. 
And then there's a number of other people who have gone through basically picking up Yogananda's book after we've worked together to deepening their own spiritual practice, reducing anger that they held against family members for decades. And Mm -hmm. they've completely healed wounds with family members. And so it's just fascinating to see other people who are about to move cities into a totally different state from our, our work together because their aspect was looking at how can I find a place to put my roots down, where I want to live, how can I get clear on that, how can I also start to heal relationship patterns that have occurred in my life and continuously mm-hmm. occur. So, so all of these things are to say that the beauty of life is that there's no one right way to go about it. Everyone is unique in living their own experience. And whatever that is, it's able to be how can I guide people to the right questions, teaching them the right techniques, helping them release old trauma that might be stored in the body to get mm-hmm. them to where they want to be in a way that is conducive to their highest good and their highest learning that they resonate with most deeply. The way I look at it, the way I look at your journey is just if you can take somebody who was in this type of environment, and this isn't something that you just went willy nilly into because mom and dad told you, you actually, as a 12 year old, you, this was what your dream was, was becoming an investment banker to go from somebody who literally had this very type A cutthroat sort of ethos embedded in them. If they can adopt this type of practice, if they can adopt these habits, it shows that really it's available to anybody who's willing to open their mind. And, you know, obviously your story is a little bit different because you had grown up with the teachings of Yogananda, but at the same time, you know, you, you did live in that very cutthroat uh, type of environment. So, and, and I, I think it's also important to note that even for a while, while I was working in banking at Goldman, mm-hmm. my meditation practice fell off. It totally mm-hmm. fell off. I, I became just like one of those, the machines in the wheel. I was like, my life revolves around work. I need to always respond to my emails immediately. I need to yeah. always be on these calls nonstop. Always, Met- always be closing, right? Like the, the mantra goes, <laughs> Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, right? Yeah, I, it's true. And I was just like, no, like this is my life. Like I'm a banker. This is my personality. Like this is it. And so I became, it's kind of like it talks about the middle way, Lao Tzu, about mm. being too far to either end of the spectrum, right? If you're too far to the materialistic working, this is my identity side of the spectrum, you're just going to be preoccupied with the roles that we play as a dharma in this material life. Similarly, if you're too far to the spectrum on the spiritual side, and you're just way out there in the clouds the entire time, you're not going to be able to be grounded in this moment to say, okay, I can have these tangible goals and move forward while still being aligned with spirit and higher consciousness to help me on my path. It's this concept of how do we marry the two in a way that is so balanced that we are able to then access the deepest parts of our energy in balance and really shine as bright as we possibly can. I did want to circle back, Neil, and we talked last time, you know, we talk about synchronicity. When you and I had talked, I had just gone through a very difficult time, which is that the losing of my father-in-law, who I was very close to. And that's one of the many things that I was drawn to your story because uh, you had gone through the loss of your mother, who you were very close to. For listeners who are navigating this journey of loss, I'd love to hear maybe if you can share with them maybe something that has helped you reframe this. I mean, I'll tell you for me personally, in my case, you know, my father-in-law was was very ill and he had gone through a lot of suffering. But just like with you, I mean, we had done a lot of these exercises. We had done meditation and breath work with him while he was in the hospital. And it's like, even though 
He was unable to speak. He was very infirm. We could feel the energy, like even if it was little things like his fingers moving or, you know, when we would play this guided breathwork music to him. So I, I'm grateful for that time that we had with him. But then also I'm thinking about what's beyond, you know, after he's passed from, from this world, you know, what is he doing? How is he guiding things from beyond? It's helped my wife and I get through this very difficult journey. But I would love to hear from you if you could maybe share some things that have helped you navigate that journey of loss of your mother, who, you know, you were obviously very close to. One is journaling and allowing Mm -hmm. yourself to feel what you're feeling in a very open and vulnerable way, because it's very easy to bottle up the feelings, to distract ourselves, to say, okay, this happened. I I need to move on. I need to move past it. But if you don't first completely acknowledge what you're feeling and going through, there's Mm -hmm. no way you're then going to be able to do the other steps, which is then treating it with gratitude, choosing to consciously release it so that the emotion can be released through the body. The heart, again, largest electromagnetic field in the body. Emotions Mm -hmm. typically get trapped here, so we need to consciously release them. And then choosing to repattern and reprogram into what we do want to happen, to to feel, ultimately. Mm -hmm. So one is feeling, journaling, and allowing yourself to fully express what you feel in an open way, safe space, going to people who, who are able to hear you, your friends, family, uh, if you want to talk, talk therapy, grief counseling, and all amazing stuff. I didn't necessarily use grief counseling or, or those aspects, but journaling, really number one for me, as well as fantastic friend and family support system. Also is uh, if you want to continue, and this is what I say to people, this isn't the end of your relationship with the loved one. I have been able to continue this conversation with my mom on the other side on a near daily basis. I'm able to contact her and speak to her at will now. And I've also, it started with asking for signs from her on the other mm-hmm. side. An amazing book to read for people who are going through this journey is Signs by Laura Lynn Jackson. She's an amazing medium and she talks about how you're able to cultivate signs with those on the other side. and asking for specific signs of meaning that you have with the loved one on their side, and then they'll deliver it to you. And then that starts to develop your well of faith. And when that well of faith gets developed, you can say, okay, maybe I can communicate with them. Maybe they're there to speak to me. Maybe they're there to show me more guidance. Because leaving the physical body isn't just the end of the life. It's actually, Mm. you just go into another form, which is why I call it passing on, crossing over, other side. Change is the form of matter. It's the nature of matter. Changeless Mm -hmm. is the nature of spirit. And so understanding that you are this eternal body of infinite light energy that just transcends into a lighter density form that is able to be at a higher frequency of light that we may not be able to perceive with our physical eyes, just like we can have this bandwidth of visible light spectrum that we see, but we don't see x-rays and gamma, gamma rays and microwaves Mm -hmm. and radio waves, but they're all there. We just can't see it. Similarly, there's other aspects that we can't see, but they're there. Energy's all around us. It pervades everything. And and I mean, I think for anybody who has gone through loss, I think your book is is definitely a a must read just because, again, as attached as you are to that physical body and the, the memories that you have, I mean, it is important to remember that if we really harness the intuition, just a lot of this knowing that we have in our, in our DNA, in our, in, in all of our cells, I think you can extend that relationship beyond 
the passing uh, from this earth for sure. So, um, Neil, I want to ask uh, what what is next for you? I know that the the last time we spoke, you were in, uh, in in Manhattan. Now you're in a different place, but it sounds like you are going through quite a transition at the current time. I always thought I was going to be a New Yorker for quite, for quite a long time, and interestingly. I went to Ibiza last September to take part in something called the Up Game, which is short for United Planet Game. And so they take the UN's 2030 Sustainable Development Goals. It was created by this wonderful fellow, Lucian Tarnowski. And mm-hmm. they revert, he reverse engineers the thriving 2030 future that we live in from the, the perspective of now. So he mm-hmm. calls it a time-traveling game. I personally consider it a game of the law of resonance. How can we vibrate at a resonant frequency of that which we want to already call into being in the now, thereby creating that energy in the future by already being that energy in the now and magnetizing those beautiful aspects of the sustainable development goals already being fulfilled. Mm. So I met some really amazing people at the Up Game. And then after that, I finished my breathwork certification with Niraj out on the Mm -hmm. island. And from the second I landed, actually, the first day I landed on the island on on a Friday, I went to an event called the Garden of Light. And it's like a live music event where these they have local vendors from the island come and you meet Mm -hmm. other people on the island, all in this very spiritual conscious community. And I was like, wow, I'm going to move here. And then Mm -hmm. interestingly, the universe conspired to say, okay, well, you're about to leave Manhattan. Just It just happened that way and go on this digital nomad journey. And so I'm actually going to Portugal first for a week mm-hmm. to learn how to facilitate plant medicine ceremony from a PhD in transpersonal psychology and plant medicine therapy who has studied with 20 indigenous tribes around the world. So learning how to do that in a very ceremonial conscious way as the indigenous tribes have done it. And then I head to Ibiza to continue to work, but honestly, just see what opens and explores for me, ultimately through amazing connections that I've been able to meet and make there. And and we talk about synchronicity and and my favorite Mm -hmm. form of synchronicity is meeting people. And I talk about this in my Mm -hmm. book. It's being guided along the path of meeting incredible souls to help you grow in terms of your own personal development, relationships, business partnerships, guide you along your way as a mentor, have some exciting new opportunities be shown to you. Mm-hmm. and seeing what unfolds for me out there. And then ultimately from there, I'll be going to Morocco, coming back to the US and seeing where things unfold. I'm very much in surrender mode. I, I don't necessarily know what is best for me. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the beauty of it. Yes, I can have goals and be outcome oriented and I love doing that. But how can I also release and say, okay, if I let go here and say, I will do my best with whatever situation is presented to me in the moment and whatever's going to happen from there, as long as I do my best, I know is in my highest good. And so that's kind of what I'm doing. I'm saying, okay, I will do my best with the situations you give me, but I'm surrendering into the flow here and knowing that wherever I'm supposed to be guided and led along this pathway is exactly where I'm supposed to be. And there's a tremendous amount of freedom within that. A little bit scary, no doubt, because I totally uprooted my life that I had for 13 years in Manhattan, but it just feels very aligned. It feels very right right now. No, it sounds very exciting. Now, where can people find you if they'd like to uh, learn more about you or work with you? So people can find me on my website, neilbakshi.com, N-E-A-L-B as in boy, A-K-S-H-I.com, or my Instagram at neil.bakshi. 
I'm also on YouTube. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Medium with my blog posts. And you can find my book, Banking on Angels on Amazon. I teach breathwork classes, which you can sign up for through my website or through Instagram. And there's just a number of ways you can you can kind of explore and, and work with me in terms of the different mod- modalities that I have to offer. So I'm, I'm always here. I'm always here to be of service. And I'm excited for, for the, the next sort of group of where I'm meant to be led and, and the synchronicities and the people I'm meant to be introduced to. Anything else you want to say before we uh, wrap up? I want people to know that it is easier than you think it is. We have a really fascinating and uncanny ability to make life extraordinarily complicated. And we add on all these layers of things that we need to do. And if they don't get done, then this is going to happen and this is going to happen. And we look nine to 20 steps down the line. But I just want to remember and have people recognize that this present moment is truly all we have. If we think about the past, it's actually just a memory. It's not not a moment. It's a memory of a moment we had. Same with the future. It's a mm-hmm. perception of the moment. What is actually real is right now. And being able to come into a space of slowing down, consciously slowing down, and allowing your vibration to elevate with gratitude, gratitude for everything, the good and the bad, it all just is. But the faster that we can come into a space of gratitude, the faster we're going to be able to open to receive whatever that situation or life situation or circumstance has to offer to us. So it's easier than you think it is. That's perfectly stated. So thanks, Neil, so much. This was a great discussion. It was great uh, great to have you on the show, and I'm sure it'll resonate with a lot of our listeners. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed that episode. For more of these types of conversations, please visit us at untetheryourlife.co. You can also find us on Instagram at untetheryourlife, as well as on Apple, Spotify, and other platforms by searching for Untether Your Life. And if you did enjoy this episode, please leave us a review or share it with someone who might also benefit. Thanks, and until the next time we meet, stay untethered.